0: I love Tony Romo, the former Dallas Cowboys quarterback. He's a color commentator. He is so amazing at predicting what's gonna come next.
1: So Todd, I'm gonna give the networks a great idea on this. You gotta do Romo versus the robot.
0: Oh, brilliant.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I just want full credit.
0: Welcome to GeekWire. I'm GeekWire co-founder, Todd Bishop. And I'm GeekWire co-founder, John Cook. We're coming to you from Seattle, where we get to report each day on what's happening around us in technology, science, and innovation. What happens here matters everywhere. And every week on this show, we talk about some of the biggest and most interesting stories in the news. Coming up this week, NFL season is almost here, and we're going to talk about how machine learning could change the game, or at least for now, the experience of watching the game. We'll also be previewing the upcoming GeekWire Summit. Yes. GeekWire Summit, John, the magic words. It's back, baby. (laughs) Featuring new Amazon CEO Andy Jassy and international pop star Sierra, among a great lineup of speakers at this year's event. Stick around for the final segment for a little preview of what's coming up on October 4th and 5th in Seattle. But first, John, how are you doing in this whole pandemic, work from home, remote work, not collaborating in person thing these days, because there's a story in the news that I want to talk about related to this.
1: Uh, I'm doing fine with it. I've always operated both in the office and at home. Um, As an entrepreneur, you're always on and always working. So it hasn't really changed that much for me personally in terms of my work style and flow. Other than now, more people are accepting of you not being in the office, which is good.
0: That really speaks to the findings of a fascinating Microsoft research study that came out this week that looked at the behaviors of more than 60,000 Microsoft employees. This was a peer-reviewed study, so you can really look at these findings and draw some bigger conclusions. It found that people at Microsoft are not making the kinds of connections that they used to connections between business groups are not happening. So just as an example, the Microsoft Office engineer is not connecting with the Xbox engineer in the Microsoft Commons and then having an email exchange or an IM exchange afterward on Teams. And and there's a lot of red flags and warning signs that this study brings up about the long-term impact of the lack of those informal connections on innovation and productivity and I found it to be just a really
1: fascinating study. Yeah, it's really funny you use the Microsoft example of people being really siloed whether they're on Xbox or Office because what that was the rub on Microsoft, you know, 30 years ago that teams that were working on Excel weren't talking to the Windows team and the gaming group. So they actually alleviated the problem at Microsoft. It seems, but now it's back and they're worried about it.
0: John, I kept thinking as I was writing this story, one Microsoft baby, one Microsoft. I was channeling Steve Ballmer because Ah. that was his mantra to try and solve it. And I think if you go back and look at Microsoft's history, the record is kind of mixed in terms of whether Ballmer himself actually solved it, even though that was his mantra. I think under Satya Nadella, the company has been able to unify itself to a greater degree. But To me, the bigger issue was even beyond Microsoft. And one of the things that the researchers brought up was that since this is a peer-reviewed study, it appeared in the journal Nature Human Behavior, there is the ability, at least, to speculate that these kinds of findings are also happening at other companies. And they wrote, without intervention, the effects that they discovered could have the potential to impact workers' ability to acquire and share new information across groups And as a result, affect productivity and innovation. And the big thing here is a little bit of a warning sign for companies that are implementing these long-term work-from-home policies and doing remote-first work. Box, Shopify, Dropbox are a couple examples. One of the things that they tried to get across was, hey, it's too early. You know, yeah, remote work may seem cool, but let's see how this plays out because these kinds of impacts could really have an impact on a company.
1: The New York Times just did a great piece on this very topic. Uh, I think it came out last week. The, the title of the story was great. It was, When Chance Encounters at the Water Cooler Are Most Useful. And it got into this whole concept of whether innovation happens around the water cooler. And there are numerous examples of that happening. But the story and the analysis went a bit deeper than that it's not necessarily two people in the same department that are getting together at the water cooler and creating something amazing. It's people from vastly different backgrounds that leads to more innovation and creativity because it's somebody, a designer who bumps into a software engineer who bumps into a marketing person in different groups that is thinking about the world in very different ways. That's the great mix that leads to innovation and creativity. And that's what has largely been missing at many companies. And I think that's what Microsoft was touching on. They're called these weaker connections. And the New York Times reporter did a great job of breaking this down. And they found a report that came out where they analyzed the 50 largest publicly traded video game companies. And they found that the companies that move fully to remote work during the pandemic, there was a greater degree of delays or product errors. And it was because these weird encounters across very diverse teams, they weren't happening as much. And so I guess that speaks to, well, when you are in the office and you want to create something innovative, how do you get people that disagree or maybe aren't talking to talk to one another? So I just found that interesting that it's not necessarily people in the same group that get together and they whiteboard something out and that's when the great idea comes. It is truly somebody from outside your sphere that creates you to think about things in a different way.
0: One of the things that Microsoft said as a potential remedy to this was more structured interactions and the idea that you could get folks together in more purposeful ways. And That actually spoke to some of the broader research that the company came out with about some of the differing views among employees about what remote work, hybrid work should look like. And they suggested, for example, a specific hybrid work plan where everybody sits down and agrees, okay, we're gonna be in the office on these two days together. And on other days it's okay to work from home and being more purposeful about it was one of the remedies in that way. But John, I gotta say, I see this actually even in our own organization as as small as it is compared to a company like Microsoft. There are times these days when we have our every other week team meeting and there are situations where things are going on on the business side, on events that I would have known about in the past. I realized because I would have overheard them in the office or you would have mentioned them on your way out you know, for the end of the day. And there are a lot of times now where Somebody on the business team says something that it's significant and I had no idea it was happening. Now, maybe that's me. Maybe I'm being kept in the dark.
1: Well, we're trying to keep you in the dark. That's <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what we're trying to do. We don't want you to know what's going on. And it's better than Yeah, I find it interesting because I don't get that value out of doing those meetings via Zoom because it is the serendipity. Yes. I get much more value. I think, and we have many examples of this where we've gotten the team together in a more casual setting, maybe it's a happy hour or just hanging out. That's when the real interesting creative ideas come. People are more relaxed. They're they're able to just start spitballing something and there's no pressure to do anything. There's I don't like the idea of you plan out to be in the office and then it's going to get creative. It's like, well, let's I think you get people together, you start talking about work, you don't have money parameters or expectations and you see what comes of it. I don't know. I feel like we've had some good examples of things that have popped up out of those discussions. Even the great race, which was our transportation challenge that we did here in Seattle came out of one of these sessions. So I love the serendipity that comes from more informal meetings rather than structured meetings. And especially when those informal meetings are in a place outside the office rather than inside the office, where I think it puts more parameters on what the expectations are. John, it's funny. If you told me the GeekWire
0: project, I could tell you the bar from whence it came. Geek Choir was at Rubens. We need to get oh, these sponsored. Geek Choir, Geek Choir was great. <laughs> One other finding from a different Microsoft study, this was a sentiment analysis that they did of Microsoft employees. This really struck me. They said, everybody really wants the same thing. They want time to focus they want time to collaborate, and they want the ability to be productive. And the key finding was even though everybody wants those things, everybody has a different way of achieving those things depending on their home situation, their life situation, their work situation. For some people, the ability to focus meant yeah, I, want to, I need to go back into the office because my kids are driving me crazy. And for other people, for example, the ability to focus meant get me out of the office because my coworkers are driving me crazy. And so the big takeaway that Microsoft had was communication between the manager and every single employee to understand what it's going to take For each employee to achieve those things and then making sure that each employee on an individual basis has what he or she or they need to be able to achieve them. So that was interesting. It's pretty simple, but I thought a pretty powerful takeaway for you, John, for example, the most productive setting would be on a dog walk.
1: Well, there are studies as well. I think that you think better and process information better when you're walking. It's true. So I know everyone gives me a lot of crap about my uh, Zoom uh, and Teams meetings when I'm walking around, buzzing around Seattle, but maybe I'm just that much more engaged. I'm certainly not multitasking as much <laughs> than when I'm on in <laughs> front true. of my computer and on a Zoom meeting. I almost sent That's you true. an email during this podcast, Todd, and I was like, oh, Todd's going to get mad at me if he knows I'm forwarding you something.
0: All right. Coming up next, machine learning and the future of the NFL and sports as we know it. That's coming up next i wanted a career in it but i didn't know where to start wgu makes it simple their accredited online degree programs cover all kinds of it specialties and they have valuable industry certifications built in at no extra cost the payoff having those certs back up my degree makes me look even better to future employers a nonprofit university that includes top industry certs in their programs i choose wgu Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop with John Cook. It is the GeekWire podcast. We are talking about some of the most interesting stories in the news this week. And John, a story by our colleague, Kurt Slosser about the next generation of next-gen stats from Amazon Web Services rolling out for the NFL season really hit me because Amazon is going to be starting to use predictive technology on fourth down. They're going to use different numbers, different factors in the situation to predict the likelihood of a fourth down conversion if the coach decides to go for it on fourth down and inches, for example. And this to me is a Pandora's box or A slippery slope because once you start to go down this path, you start to get into some really interesting questions about the future role of technology in sports and where human judgment is a part of the sport and where it should be taken out of the sport. I've got all sorts of examples here, but I'm really curious, John. You're, for example, a a soccer fan. What do you think of this whole idea of predictive technology? making it for now into broadcasts and the fan experience. And what about the potential for it to make it into the actual coaching decision-making process in
1: the future? Yeah, I think we're definitely headed there. There's already elements of this across sports. One of my thoughts was, well, this is obviously going to be tied into gambling in a major way because you can imagine, oh, now I'm going to bet on whether a team is going to beat essentially the odds that are being created by the AI algorithms related to the play call or, or what have you. So that's where my mind wandered to some degree. As it relates to predicting plays and figuring out those results, I mean, I think it's pretty cool technology. I think the more data we have, it's and it's already across major sports that you're seeing this data appear. So I don't think it's that surprising. And I think it's kind of cool. As it relates to the sport I love of soccer, I think it's, extremely, extremely difficult to put any sort of, cause there's really no coaching in soccer, which is why I love the game. You don't have somebody from the sidelines telling anyone what to do. You're your own person out there for 90 minutes trying to win the game. So it's, it's kind of irrelevant in soccer.
0: I'm going to disagree with you, John, being the complete soccer neophyte and novice that I am. What about substitutions lineups?
1: Yeah, okay. right. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter that much. What? You're kidding me. The, the, really, well, substitutions right. don't matter? So so I guess I'm thinking of in-game activities. I sure. guess you could say, and this is going on where you say, oh, this this player and the Sounders, Seattle Sounders is an example. I've worn uh, tracking devices for, for years where they're, every part of their movement is is tracked. And I guess you could see, oh, this person is depleted down to you know, 60% of their maximum output. So now it's time to remove that person from the game. Yeah, I I could see that. In soccer, there's very limited substitutions, so it doesn't come into play that much. I think I can see it uh, in soccer as it relates. I mean, and you already see the technology with, you know, VAR, which, you know, determines whether the ball has crossed the goal line or not for for a goal or not. And you could see that even to some degree advancing. And you see it as it relates to like the call of offsides, which is very complex in soccer. And that could use some additional technological innovation to make sure they're getting that right. But it's it's advancing in that regard. So I don't know. I just I, I think soccer is a bad example as it relates to AI uh really having a dramatic impact versus baseball, sport you love, Todd, or football where the plays are called from the sidelines and there's an ability ability to really impact what's going on based on AI. And I think we were discussing this on our Slack channel where a coach, I mean, it, you probably would have a better football coach that is an, an AI-based football coach than Pete Carroll. Right. Here's the issue. Though. You could, you could. I And I, what I'm saying is, I don't think you would have that in soccer.
0: Understood. So just to clarify one point, I looked this up. There's a great MIT study that looked at the role of AI and football. And one point that they made was that existing NFL rules limit the use of tech on the sidelines to Microsoft Surface devices with just one function displaying photographs. So there's no real-time modeling that can be used by coaches and players during a game, according to this MIT study. And the whole idea is to keep the focus on a team's coaching skills rather than their tech prowess. So for now, at least... This whole notion of using predictive analytics, big data, machine learning, the stuff that businesses are just sort of doing as a matter of course these days, you cannot do that on the sidelines legally. And of course, my whole point on that is, but the Houston Astros have a perfect solution for that. You know, they can, they can figure this out. Just beat the drum. Yeah, just watch the broadcast, see what is going on in terms of the AWS Next-gen stats, predictive analytics, and and yeah, yeah, just bang on a garbage pail. That'll well, we should it.
1: probably put the context in because <laughs> most people probably don't know that story.
0: Well, this was a big cheating scandal where the Houston Astros used cameras and a live feed to the back area from the dugout. And if it was going to be a changeup, they – banged on the drum I, it was something yeah like
1: i think it was a fastball it was no drum and a change up was a drum beat yeah and they won the world series based on this technology of beating a drum yeah illegally
0: i gotta say my fandom of baseball at this point is pretty much limited to watching recap videos breakdowns by this excellent youtube channel that i highly recommend Don't turn it on when your kids are around because it's often profane. Jomboy Media. What is it? Jomboy, J-O-M-B-O-Y. It is one of the best YouTube channels out there. It's one minute, two minute, three minute videos. A lot of them come into play with umpire error and they point out how often umpires are calling balls and strikes that the technology says are the opposite but the real beauty of it is the guy is amazing, amazing at lip reading. It is so good. (laughs) He basically sits there and just translates for you everything that the coaches and the umpires are yelling at each other, which is where the profanities come in. But at any rate, I do think that in the officiating of the game, that's where technology should come into play. I think it's ridiculous that Things are happening out there. Everybody in the stadium knows the call was wrong immediately because the the ball was out of the strike zone and the umpires don't know it. But I think where the coaching, the playing, that's where technology should not come into play. But um, I'm fascinated. It's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out in the NFL season with these next-gen stats. And then one last thing, I, I love Tony Romo. I don't mean to nerd out on sports here. Maybe we should have our own sports podcast, but Tony Romo, the former Dallas Cowboys quarterback, he's a color commentator and he is so amazing at predicting what's going to come next. You know, okay, this one's going to be a slot, right? Look, look here, here you go, Jim. They're going to, they're going to hit him. He's going to come off the corner and they're going to hit him and it's going to be a, you know, he doesn't call what the outcome's going to be, but he calls exactly what the play is going to be. And of course, I'm sure that replays they show are somewhat selective in picking which ones he actually did predict. But
1: So Todd, I'm going to give the networks a great idea on this. You got to do Romo versus the robot.
0: Oh, brilliant. Right? John, I would say that this is a serendipitous moment of inspiration and brainstorming. And I would say that our loosely coupled networks of collaboration are firing on, on all cylinders at this moment. And I, I really hope that somebody peer reviews this podcast.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I just want full credit. Absolutely. Somebody will okay. steal it.
0: <laughs> Romo versus the robot. Brilliant. If they don't do this, it's a huge mistake. Huge mistake. <laughs> and I can we, can we go get like the URL, the trademark, and then we can just license the IP to, is he on Fox or CBS? I think he might be on CBS. See, that's the other thing. You know what? I don't know because I only watch him on YouTube. Brave new world. Speaking of, hybrid events and the GeekWire Summit and some big names at our annual event. We'll talk about that coming up next. Plus, a listener points out another mistake that I made. Stick around. Oh, can't wait to hear that. You don't want to miss it.
1: This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold.
0: Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop with John Cook. John, we've been doing the Geekwire Summit for 10 years. This is the 10th year. I got to say this is one of the most intense, rewarding, stressful, fun. I I could use so many different adjectives here. It, it is an amazing experience every year. I get I, I I lose sleep over it. I stress over it and I love it. I love it, baby. And we have got an amazing lineup this year. And we're back baby. We're back. And
1: we're back. Baby. Because we only did it in a virtual form last year and that's not quite as fun. Speaking of serendipitous oh meetings god. and connecting with people. And and
0: the racking of nerves. Oh my god, when Bill Gates's feed started to stutter as I was interviewing him. That
1: was at any rate. None of that this year, right? Right? <laughs> well, we're doing it, doing the summit in a hybrid environment. So we're have a 250 person awesome venue in downtown Seattle called block 41. It's a very cool venue. Uh, so we have limited tickets. So if you want to come out to the summit this year, you better buy your ticket and get it early. Cause we are going to sell out. And then we have virtual tickets for those that just want to tune in for the amazing, uh, speakers, fireside chats, panel discussions we've got in store. So we just
0: announced that Amazon CEO, Andy Jassy will be making his first on stage appearance. Publicly, as the new Amazon CEO, at the GeekWire Summit. By the way, this is coming up on October fourth and fifth in downtown Seattle, and you can get tickets at geekwire.com/summit for either the virtual or the in-person experiences. And Andy Jassy, I'll get to interview him on stage, ask him all the things that we want to know, the things that folks out there want to know. Sierra, the international pop superstar, entrepreneur, philanthropist, will be joining us to talk about her ventures and some other great folks, um, Christopher Young, Microsoft's business development leader, the former McAfee CEO. He is one of the top five named execs. If you look in the regulatory filings, he's right up there. And he is new to the company and he'll be joining us for a conversation. Yoki Matsuoka, the robotics pioneer, MacArthur genius. And she just announced a new personal assistant venture with Panasonic. It's called Johanna and it's launching in Seattle as we speak. And so she'll be there to talk about that. Yoki worked uh, for Google. She founded Google X, was a co-founder of that. She also worked for Apple. Uh, Just just a great lineup. That's just a a small taste of what's in store.
1: We'll have more announcements coming up, and uh, very excited to bring our events back this year. It's in a limited form, but I think it's going to be pretty cool because we're in such a cool venue. And it's going to just be great to have people connecting again in person. And if you want to watch virtually, that will be an option too. So we're really excited to bring the summit back. And thanks to our partners at Bank of America, our longtime partners who've been the presenting sponsor of the summit for many, many years. So it should be a great show. Todd, before we Even get to the summit, though, I should say we're our first event back is our summer rooftop barbecue coming up Tuesday, September fourteenth. This is going to be a lot of fun. It is a great location at First Mode, a very cool company here in Seattle. And they've just got an amazing office space with a great rooftop deck. So we'll be having a great barbecue there and hanging out from 4 to 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday, September 14th. And then for those who are interested, we'll be going to watch a Sounders match just across the street at Lumen Field. So make sure to come and get tickets for that because we are nearing a sellout on that as well. So if you want to come out and hang out with the GeekWire team, make sure to go to geekwire.com slash events and you can learn more. Really? Sounders Day is almost sold out. I'm really glad I got my ticket.
0: Thanks for letting me know. That's good.
1: They yeah, got an inside you're line in on that one. Good. I know you're not going to go to the soccer match though, are you? I got my ticket. Yeah, you're going. Okay.
0: Yeah, I've I'm gone. I've surprised. gone in years past. I, I, I enjoy sitting in a stadium and
1: watching people run around and kick a ball. It's it's quite enjoyable. It's quite nice. Good. good. Well, I'm glad you'll be there. It's fun to get our events back back and rolling. That's a big part of what we do here at GeekWire is bring the community together for great discussions and connections. So We're excited about this. So just to recap, that is GeekWire Sounders Day coming up on? Tuesday, September 14th, starting at 4 p.m. And if you don't like soccer, come out and just have some barbecue and beverages on a roof on a nice day.
0: That's right. Outdoor, good circulation. And then the GeekWire Summit coming up on October 4th and 5th. And you can get links to either of those events at geekwire.com slash events. Hey, John, before we go, just in full disclosure, I keep screwing up the mic references to the Blue Yeti. Last week, Steve Case, longtime listener, pointed out that my criticism of the Blue Yeti mic was unfounded, that mostly it's just user error in terms of how they use it. I won't reiterate everything that he said. But then another listener, Paul Salzman. Oh my gosh, I I should have asked Paul how to pronounce his name. This could be the subject of next week's. feedback. are just gonna kind of have multiple corrections on this. He pointed out that in my comments on the blue yeti, I, in my mind, clearly based on how I was describing it, was actually thinking of the blue snowball, which Paul is right. The blue snowball is the round one. The blue yeti, which was the subject of our comments, is more of a mic thing with a little dome on top. And that's the one that Steve was talking about, the mic thing with the dome on top. So you've totally lost me. Bottom line, if you're going to use a mic, read the instructions. And if you're going to talk about the mics, know what you're talking about, Todd. So there we go. (laughs) All right. I think that's enough for this week. Great talking to you, Todd. Thank you for listening to GeekWire, everyone. To see all of GeekWire's coverage of science, tech, business, and more, go to geekwire.com and sign up for our daily email newsletter receive all of our stories. And please take a moment, if you're not already, to subscribe to the GeekWire podcast in your favorite podcast app. And if you've already subscribed, hey, do us a favor. Take just a minute, rate and review the show. We are almost, John, almost at 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. I think it would be awesome to get to 1,000. Let's do it. Let's set our sights high. First, let's get to 100, I know. And then let's get to 200.
1: Let's get to 100. And then, you know, at 200, we should, um, you know, try to get the reviewer on whether positive or negative to have on the show.
0: The reviewer. Oh, oh, the reviewer of 200. I would love it if it was the negative reviewer. I actually think we should go back through our first 100 and find the most critical reviews and have those folks on and just have a very polite, civil conversation about their feelings about us. I think that would be great. Kurt, our producer, is saying no. In fact, our podcast is produced by Kurt Milton and our theme music is by Daniel L.K. Caldwell. Until next time, I'm Todd Bishop. And I'm John Cook. Thanks for listening to GeekWire.